0: Hi, I'm David Ferrier, a Kiwi who accidentally got marooned in America and I want to find out what makes this country tick. Since I've been here, I've discovered that Americans really love freedom. It's what they talk about all the time and if an American sniffs even the slightest whiff of their freedoms being tampered with, it's game on. This freedom extends to everything including people's homes. Because while in New Zealand we generally like our houses to be fused to the ground, a large number of Americans love to have wheels on their house so they can drive it wherever they want.
1: Every year we make it
0: possible for thousands of Americans from all walks of life to make their travel dreams come true. Americans love RVs, recreational vehicles. An American
2: pastime, In fact, it's roaring back, perhaps right next to you on the highway.
0: The RV industry is worth $140 billion here in America. 58,000 brand new RVs were shipped out during a single month last year. 11.2 million homes have an RV of some kind, and around 10 million more are considering buying one within the next five years. With all that in mind, I want to find out why Americans are obsessed with RVs. So, get ready to take your toilet, bedroom, bathroom, lounge, and entire family, basically everything including the kitchen sink, on a giant road trip. Because this is the RV episode. Flightless, flightless,
3: flightless bird touchdown in America. I'm a flightless bird touchdown in America. I mean, this is, yeah,
2: this talk about having the perfect guest for this episode.
0: Yeah, I mean, I should have just interviewed you for the entire documentary. I don't know why I went in and made one. This is like your lifeblood. I mean, the first Ugh. thing I
2: really saw when I ever came up here to the attic was your RV, Smith okay. spending the night at our house all the time. Here's where we'll, I'll hit you right now with a distinction. Okay, that is not an RV. Oh, what do you have? And I'm I'm going to be an elitist right now. I'm going to expose myself as being a brat. But I got to tell you, that's a bus. All the people that own the bus I have, they love calling it a coach, which is triggering to me for my
0: uh, class warfare. No, that's interesting because I've been watching Hacks. It's this comedy about this female comedian and she's got a lot of money and I think she has a bus. Right, that's a tour bus as that's opposed right. to an RV. What's the difference?
2: Okay, so basically recreational vehicles, mm-hmm. that's you know you go out to the lake, you mm-hmm. know you go out for a weekend, mm-hmm. you know people do live in them and that's very much approachable for the middle class. Mm-hmm. Now how t-
4: much are they?
2: Well, they range, you can get a sprinter van all the way up to
0: probably like a 35 foot class A motorhome. Because it goes from, you can tow it on a trailer, it can be on four wheels. Like, what makes an RV an RV? If I put a toilet in my car, is that then an RV?
2: Sure. If you go out and recreate in it, then it's (laughs) technically one. So you've got trailers that are towed behind trucks, and those range in size from little tiny airstreams that are 12 feet long. (laughs) to Dudes have four, I should say people have. I'm sure women (laughs) have them too. Dudes. But I think not even men, dudes. (laughs) I guess I'll call women dudes too. Male and female dudes can have 40-foot fifth-wheel trailers behind it. And then financially, a step up from that is that it's all self-contained and it has a chassis and an engine and everything. So that's one strata, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then the first rung of that would be a class C where you have basically at the cab of a van up front. Mm -hmm. And these manufacturers sell their van with just nothing in back. And then some manufacturer puts the big shell on back and they build up the living space. A class A is now where it's not using the front of a van or a truck. Uh It is a specifically designed whole box on top of a chassis. Oh, this
0: is a whole other level. Now,
2: within Class A, the big step up is whether you have a gas engine up front Uh or you have what's called a diesel pusher, and that gap is you're looking at going from 120 thousand to like 300 thousand for the entry level ones, and then in the case of my bus, that's the apex, and Mm -hmm. that is originally just Greyhound buses, industrial Greyhound buses that then started getting outfitted for traveling bands, Willie Nelson. He's got a Prevost tour bus. Mm -hmm. Then that led to people having Prevost as recreational vehicles. And those rich people call their buses coach. The guy who sold me mine, shout out to David Garza down in Texas, he'd say, Dax, your family's going to love this coach. (laughs) When you get in this coach and you get on the highway, you're going to feel Dax the build quality of the four travel coach. We talked so much because it took me six months to get mine from when I liked it and put a deposit down until it got unensnared in some legal thing. That's a right. whole other episode. There was a point where he called me, said Dax, it's Dave Garza. Unfortunately, your family is not gonna get this coach.
0: That's how he delivered the information to yes, you? Yes,
2: yes. So I've thought about this more than anything. He always mentioned my name in every sentence and generally your family. And this became a bit between my friend Huey and I who lives in Nashville where every time we want to do something selfish we always go for our family. I want to get up and and leave the house for my family. So what we th- think we've discovered is the, the saying someone's name is a well-worn trope in sales. You say their name every sentence, you Instantly feel close. Intimacy, them. yeah. The your family got curious to me and I think what Huey and I figured out was this. It's not for your family. No uh, wife has ever been like, "Hun, you know what we need to spend half of our net worth on a fucking bus. And so the salesman's smart enough to know that you feel a little unethical about this outrageous purchase. So they're going to keep telling you it's for your family and telling you it's the most selfish purchase a human makes. It's an, <laughs> it's always a man. I hate to bolster <laughs> the stereotypes, but listen, it's a man who wants a bus. It's like a man wants a semi, it's not a lot man of
4: who wants to be a rock star
2: sure there's some columns within the man who wants a bus there's the freedom thing which i think is really we got to get into this yeah this notion of when the shit hits the fan i'll be mobile and self-contained and i can go anywhere and my backyard can be anywhere that's right and then there's a genuine wanderlust traveler who loves being in different settings and if you have the option to live all over the world why wouldn't you that's such a cool notion That's less about freedom and just true appreciation of all the many landscapes in America. What's it for you? What drew you to the RV? Long history of of long-distance driving, road trips, Aaron and I. My hobby is like going down to Texas, seeing what we get into, going over here. We'll sleep on the beach. Just let's get somewhere novel and experience it. Freedom, right?
0: Is that freedom, though? I think it's freedom. The idea that you're not necessarily going to have to be at that hotel or that motel or that airbnb we can be anywhere we can park on a beach we can sleep wherever we want i yeah. think it's freedom i think it's part of that psyche it's wonderful well adventure that's okay. what i'd prefer to call it it's like okay.
2: aaron and i weren't in an rv we were in my fucking geo metro three cylinder with no room to sleep and we just sleep outside let's see where the wind takes us let's see what's there so yeah. i have this deep wanderlust and sense of adventure And now I have the means that I can have everything I want while I'm on the adventure. I can tow my off-road vehicles with the bus. I can take a shower in there. I can wash clothes in there. I can cook real meals in there. That bus, to me, is my favorite thing I've ever owned. I'm getting in it in three days, and I'm going to be out in it for a month. Yeah. And I'll be with my family for two of the weeks. (laughs) And then I get the fucking family out of there, and Aaron Weekly flies in, and he and I. And then we get to the real shit. And we're already planning, like, where are we going to go? We're going to go see the Aver brothers park the bus next to their yes. bus. We want to go to a mud bog tournament. We want, like, we want to tackle America in the bus. I
4: also think freedom adjacent is not being restricted. Mm. It's not being confined. It's like, yeah. I can do anything at any time. It's yeah. like freedom, but it's, it's not exactly that. It's like, I'm not stuck.
2: I'm not stuck. Yeah. That's a great one. Even like when Aaron and I are on this trip, if mm. it's going to rain for three days in the place we're at, we bounce. Yeah. We look at the weather, map. We go, oh, fuck. Or if we find out there's going to be a tornado in fucking
0: Iowa, we're
2: going to the tornado.
4: Yeah, driving like, straight you into You can the
0: change attic. your pants. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's like you go where the wind takes you. When opportunity presents itself, you unleash the bus, you deploy the bus. For me... The fantasy of it, the wanderer, yet you're not paying any price. Aaron and I, when we both graduated, or I graduated, Mm. when we got out of high school, we lived in my Mustang for six months. Six months? That's (laughs) growing down so hard. Oh my God. Yes. And we just roamed the country for six months and it
0: was for sure one of the highlights of my life. Full disclosure, my relationship to RVs is terror and panic because I came to America to go to Coachella a very long time ago. I really wanted to go to Coachella. It was the Tupac hologram (gasps) was Radiohead. I met my friends here and it was my job to drive the RV to Coachella. I'd never driven on an American road before, so my first experience driving on the opposite side of the road, sitting on the opposite side of where you're meant to have the steering wheel (laughs) was in this giant RV hurtling along the road. It was such a terrifying thing because it's so big pulling off the freeway is terrifying i got stuck Mm. in a walmart parking lot (laughs) i was trying to back it out people were (laughs) screaming at me (laughs) i get a visceral reaction when i hear rv of terror i didn't crash we made it i learned how to empty the sewage all that stuff i'm
4: impressed me too it was a
0: lot but Yeah. yeah that's my reaction It's just first driving experience in america just being in sheer panic
2: yeah so my bus is 45 feet long And I tow a 30 foot trailer. Oh, there's more. Which is illegal. You're only allowed to be 65 feet all in rolling down the road and we're often 75, 80. Who is ever gonna pick up on that?
0: Is anyone gonna call you out?
2: Yes, only California. It's the only place that even gives a shit. You'll find all the time when you're in the sand dunes that sometimes they're running kind of stings on it and they're only targeting guys from Arizona coming to California to go to the sand dunes. In fucking Arizona, they're a hundred feet long. No one's batting an eye. They just don't care. Also, California is rare in that you got to have a special license for my bus, but no other okay. state do you have to just have California. that. Yes, right. Just so California, yes, just California. So what they're
0: pulling you over, and they get they're coming up with they a have tape a fucking
2: measure, super long uh, tape like you'd measure a football field with, and they roll it and out from the front. Incredible. Yes,
0: the good thing is that people clear out of the way for you if you change lanes. People sort of move, or that's what I found. I don't want to be a brat because look,
2: I, I drive a forty thousand pound vehicle; mm. it's on me. But in California, in particular. Your average driver has no sense. I don't think you guys realize what you're playing with.
0: Like, this the, is
2: gonna... Yes, it's like a freight ship. Like, I can't stop in no, 40 so feet. so for,
0: for this episode, I did some research and I made the mistake of Googling RV crashes. Oh. And it's people slow-mo getting out of control on icy roads oh. being places they shouldn't. Uh. And it's horrific to see because once it spins on ice or something, it's just such a big thing that's out of control. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole genre that I just find <laughs> terrifying. Uh. I... I put out a request on Instagram this week to get people's RV stories because I went up to where I usually do these with my little microphone and a man chased me. And so oh. I got scared temporarily of going up to people <laughs> with my microphone. Was it a friend you just so, didn't recognize? No. He
4: just so angry. <laughs> I was <Jeez>. robbed <laughs> 50
2: <laughs> times. He was
0: chasing you saying, like,
2: no, David, hi, David, where are you going, David? <laughs>
0: I made the mistake of walking up to someone who I think just was particularly unhinged and they oh kind of lunged at me. I got quite a big fright and I just didn't want to go back up there again. Anyway, so I went on Instagram and I said, if you have an RV experience you think's worth sharing, send me a voice memo. Oh, yeah. And so these are some of my favorites.
1: I lived in a motorhome for a year and a half as a kid. My family traveled the country and my parents homeschooled us and we went to 40 some odd states. Traveling in a motorhome was a really unique way to see the world. It's so much easier than any other way to travel with kids because I would get up and make lunches while she was driving. The kids could use the bathroom the whole time. It just worked out so well. One of the craziest things that happened to us We were looking for somewhere to park overnight and someone we met said, oh, I work at a Walmart, you can stay in the parking lot. And so we're following this car across town and all of a sudden we hear like a gunshot and my dad yells, we're being shot at, get down everybody. And so we all got down and we hear continual shots and we get to the Walmart parking lot and get out. And there are bullet holes in our windshield. There's one in the driver's side window and bullet holes all down the length of the motorhome. I quarantined in an RV at the start of the COVID pandemic, but had nowhere really to quarantine at my parents' house. And so they borrowed a camper and (sighs) Well, I'm very grateful for that. It was an awful experience. It was still snowing. The camper was moving back and forth because of the storm happening outside. The heater broke, so I was bundled up in winter coats and blankets constantly. The water stopped working, so I couldn't shower. I was absolutely disgusting.
2: We were visiting Joshua Tree National Park. I was dumping our sewage tanks, and a nice couple from Germany that were visiting really didn't understand the American system of the black tanks and dumping. So I offered to help him out, showed him how to do everything. And when they were done, the gentleman disconnected, whipped around, flung the hose and covered my lower body with their excrement. (laughs) However, it was okay. They were nice and there was a hose there. I washed off. Wow. That's a compliment in Germany. They like their (laughs) scheisse.
0: I actually got in trouble from a lot of Germans after the toilet episode because I talked a bit about how much Germans love poo or something. I I made some comment. I think
4: we did. Maybe
0: you guys did. I heard from a lot of Germans saying, just so you know, we're not all into poo. I believe we're not
2: all into (laughs) it, for sure. Uh, But there's a Vandy Fair article about it, I think.
0: I'm going to trust 99% of you. (laughs) All I can say is that it was a German that sprayed an American man with feces.
2: (laughs) I kept thinking this on our European trip this summer. We were driving around Austria and Italy and all those roads, and I was like, well, you just don't see any big browns. I don't even think I could drive big brown. My bus is called Big Brown. Yep. Big Brown's bigger than all the semis here. They don't even have vehicles like that. And then I was also thinking about I got obsessed with Tyson Fury the other night mm-hmm. and I stayed up all night learning about him. Do you know anything about him? The, the boxer. Very little. I know okay. he's a
0: boxer, that's all I've got. But
2: he's what's called a caravanner. I think in the old days they called those folks gypsies. He calls mm-hmm. himself the Gypsy King. But you know there's a whole subset of Brits that are caravanners as a culture. They live in caravans, they travel mm-hmm. in caravans. But what shocked me when I was watching this Tyson Fury thing was he parked his Ferrari next to his caravan. It doesn't even exist anywhere like it
0: does here. That's why I really wanted to dive into this, because in New Zealand, you don't see the RV culture. Tourists would maybe get an RV when they land and drive around the South Island to see all that Lord of the Rings stuff. But New Zealanders don't aspire to own an RV. We're much more into caravans. So people will have a caravan. We've got little caravan parks. You might tow it on the back of your car. They're tiny, though. But Yeah, they're tiny. But our whole infrastructure is smaller. I feel like America is built for RVs because your roads are so big. Mm -hmm. New Zealand roads are tiny. So it is a really American... My question, just in general, because I didn't really get into it in the documentary, when people in America see an RV, there's all sorts of different types of people that have RVs. Are they like, yay, it's an RV? Is it like, oh God, another RVer? Is there like a vibe in general that they give off? Well, there's no hatred towards RVers. I don't think so. There's a worry that their freedom camp is in New Zealand and that they'll be putting their poo in the bushes or something. Oh Jesus, I Do you no know like I mean? one's worried about that. Okay.
2: But if I could just say the general stereotype, all growing up, all through my life, when you saw a good size RV driving down the road, you thought, oh, those are retirees.
0: It's how you live the rest of your life yes. until you die. You see the country, the kids are gone. Yep. You're free on the road. You
2: need less. You downsize. You have this. Yeah. You now have the time. You have no schedule. So it, it is generally represented retirement.
0: You're living the life of a retiree just a little bit earlier. I'm trying that's, my best. Yeah. Have you done much RVing, Monica?
4: No, only via Dax and the sand dunes. That's the mm. only time I've ever been to one. My parents would never.
2: That's not their thing.
4: No, even the idea of them driving something that big—that's too scary.
2: So yeah. The very first time you joined us out in the dunes mm-hmm. and you got into the El Monte rental, thirty-seven yeah. foot class A mm-hmm. gas motor up front. Not a big mm-hmm. dog, but a big unit. Were you like, Oh, this is shockingly comfortable? Or why do they do this?
4: No, I was like, This is so fun. It was so fun. I really like it.
0: I do like the idea that your family, whatever can sort of your friends can roam around whilst you're driving. Oh and cook yeah. some food I, or use the bathroom, take a shower. That's so funny.
4: I did have one bad experience in oh, the...
0: Hello. Oh, with Aaron? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? We
4: were at the Sand Dunes and <laughs> and Aaron... You know, you can't really have any separation. That's the only problem with the RV, obviously.
0: You're all in it together. You're all
4: in it together. And if you haven't got your deviated septum fixed yet...
0: Oh, yeah. And
2: even if you have, Monica, if you don't yeah. have your sleep apnea device on...
4: Oh, my God.
2: Oh, it was Snore
0: Central. I mean... You've never heard anything like it. You really
4: have never heard anything like it. I had on headphones with white noise, like, (laughs) blaring to try to stop it. No, I was up all night.
2: What was unique then about Aaron's snoring is it's the deviated septum plus sleep apnea. And so you can't even get into the rhythm of it because here's how it sounds. It's not soothing. This is what it sounds like. It starts. Oh, it goes. It goes. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's like, no, literally true, breathing. No, so y- you
2: become aware of the fact, like, oh my god, is this the time I have to shake him awake? Like know, he would stop breathing for like seven, eight seconds straight. Yes. Yeah, so you're on edge. Yes, yes.
4: Exactly. It, it gives you anxiety. Yes, it's not yes. just that you can't sleep; you're also anxious.
2: Now, mind you. He got his septum fixed. He also started using a sleep apnea device. Finally got dialed in. I slept with him a bunch in Miami and Mm. Orlando. He's like a little church mouse now when he sleeps. Oh, it's like a whole new person. Yeah, the mask really changed everything for him. I'm glad he's doing better. Because I'm just immune to it all. We wake up in the morning and I notice, oh, everyone's really grouchy. (laughs) Everyone (laughs) else. What happened? You bounce out of bed like, I, "Hey guys!" Yes, and I wasn't. And these two, were <laughs> <mother-in-law laughs> <and laughs> are like, oh, "They slept twenty seconds last night, and they're fucked <laughs> up and angry." And I'm like, "What? What we happened?" We were
4: nice about <laughs> it.
2: You were nice to him, but you were cranky, rightly so. Yeah, yeah. We don't yeah, get any cranky. sleep all night. No, absolutely. Gonna... And then you left.
4: We were already.
2: Leaving. Oh, okay. okay.
0: <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. For... Okay. We left the <laughs> entire we would, holiday. We would have though. No. <laughs> yeah.
4: That was impossible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah there's also the issue of sharing a bathroom when you're all yes. on board there's all those issues as yeah. well yeah i, I like I, having but nails. big brown's got
2: two full bathrooms
4: i know two
2: yeah both with you're showers two people
0: doing a poo at the same time
2: in the dream situation yeah ideally mm. me and a german friend hey okay, this is
0: my little documentary that i made to educate us all a little bit more about rvs i am curious if you learn anything from the stacks hmm. When an American loves something, they'll make a film about it. Which is how we ended up with a comedy called RV in 2006. Starring Robin Williams, Jeff Daniels, and Cheryl Hines from Caribbean Enthusiasm.
4: Mom, some idiot just parked this ugly RV outside our house! Oh my god, it's your husband!
0: A family is falling apart at the seams, so they hire an RV so they can go on a road trip. Fixing all their family problems along the way on their way to the Rockies it sits at 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. But despite those terrible reviews, the film had zero impact on the popularity of RVs. They've just gotten more and more popular ever since.
3: So we know there are 11.2 million households that own an RV. We did a large demographic profile study. so many. Yeah, it's a lot. And it's gone up 60% in the last 20 years.
0: I'm talking to Monica Gracie, the official spokesperson for the American RV Industry Association.
3: An organization I've been with for 12 years now. And I was really excited to work for the RV industry because I grew up RVing. I grew up in Southern California. A lot of my first travel memories are that of me and my four siblings. There were five of us in a motorhome, my sisters and I in the back queen bed, and my brothers at the fold-down table, and my parents got the sofa that folded out into a bed.
0: Monica lives and breathes RVs and says that as well as getting more popular, they're also getting hipper, apparently.
3: Of those 11.2 million households that own an RV, the median age of an RV owner is 53. But we did a survey of people who bought RVs both in 2020 and then again in 2021. And the median age of people who bought an RV for the first time in 2020 was 41. Significant drop. But 2021, the median age of a first-time RV buyer, 33. 33! 33!
0: Some of this can be put down to COVID. With air travel grounded, Americans learned to explore their own backyard in a different way.
3: The pandemic has absolutely supercharged interest in RVing. Summer of 2020, you wanted to travel. The only way you were traveling was in an RV. So there were a lot of people who maybe had never even thought of an RV. And this was the only way. they wanted the freedom to still travel and control their environment, it was RVing. And we continue to see people wanting to go RVing because as corny as it sounds is that people rediscovered the great outdoors during COVID. I can't do anything. I'm locked at home. If I have to be inside for one more minute, I'm gonna go crazy. And so people wanted to be outside and whether that was their local park or I don't know, playing pickleball, like that's now a thing. What is pickleball? I don't know. I just know it's like the fastest growing sport.
0: I Google Pickleball and find an article from July's New Yorker called, Can Pickleball Save America? Pickleball, the fastest growing sport in America, the article begins. Michael Phelps, Leonardo DiCaprio and George Clooney are all playing pickleball, apparently. From what I can tell, it's a sport that happened when tennis and badminton had sex. Out came their weird child, pickleball. Anyway, the pandemic was good for both RVs and pickleball. But as far as RVs go, I feel like the pandemic turned some Americans onto RVs for less aspirational reasons. I noticed walking around LA there are a lot of people that seem to be living in RVs here. The ones I see in my fairly central LA neighborhood are all old and run down, windows covered in tarp so you can't see in. I assume they're people who have fallen on hard times, RVs are cheaper than renting, and certainly an upgrade from living in a car or having no shelter at all. I get the feeling the RV Association of America doesn't particularly want to talk about that aspect of RV ownership.
3: RV stands for recreation vehicle. So they're really supposed to be used for recreation. They're not supposed to be lived in. Only one and a half percent of all RV owners are full timers. So the vast, vast majority of them use them three weeks a year on vacations.
0: Of course, the PR person for the RV Association is going to encourage me to get into this lifestyle. I ask where I should drive to. She tells me the West Coast is good. Apparently, I need to go to the Grand Canyon and someplace where you can lie down and be in all four states at the same time. The main decision is what size and style of RV to get.
3: That's what's really interesting. There are so many different types. You've got everything from a pop-up camper that you can keep in your garage, and it literally it pops up, and you can get those for five, six thousand dollars. And then you go all the way up to these million or multi-million dollar coaches that can be nicer than a lot of people's houses. And there's everything in between. And so we do represent everything from the really small towable RVs, and then you've got your kind of classic traditional bumper pole RV, and that's the vast majority of RVs, are those bumper pole.
0: I guess my biggest hang-up about RVs is the toilet situation. I just don't like the idea of traveling around with a sewer in my car. I talked to my friend who's a musician and spent some time on a tour bus, which is a bit like an RV. She said there was a rule no one could use the toilet for fear it would stink the place out. They'd pull over at a truck stop or Starbucks to do their business. As the tour went on, bandmates got lazy, and one did their business in a bag. They flung it out the window, but the bag burst against the side of the bus. Anyway...
3: So there are dump stations, and most campgrounds, you need to dump your waste at the dump station. That is the only place you dump the waste, and it's very important to be a responsible RV owner.
0: A big part of Monica's job with the RV Association is making sure America has the infrastructure to cope with the growing number of RVs on the road.
3: One of our big policy areas is to make sure that people have a place to go RVing, and The number of campgrounds hasn't necessarily kept pace, particularly on federal lands. A lot of those campgrounds were built during the Eisenhower era and maybe haven't been updated since. RVs look a little different than they did 40, 50 years ago. And we need our campgrounds to be able to service those RVs and also provide the experiences that today's RVer is looking for.
0: Talking to Monica, I do get the appeal of an RV. America is big. It has big roads that suit an RV. And there are a bunch of apps that can help you find the best route, taking into account things like the height of tunnels and bridges so you don't demolish your RV. And while RVs weren't invented in America, they've become so ingrained in American life. Tom Salak was the voice of RVing for years. Hitting the road with everything you love never loses its thrill. What will you discover? Go RVing. I think of Goldstream, started back when I was just one year old in 1983. It's the largest privately held RV maker in America, with 26 brands and 100 models, employing over 1,500 workers in Indiana. Alcart country is known as the RV capital of the world, because 85% of RVs are sold in Indiana, bringing in $32 billion into its economy. Then there's Winnebago, founded in 1958. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but there's an amazing video on YouTube called Winnebago Man. It's outtakes from an RV salesman trying to record an infomercial sometime during the 90s, except he's having a very terrible time. The Winnebago concepts and engineering departments have developed a multifunctional bathroom privacy. I don't even know what the fuck I'm reading. He just keeps mangling his lines as he tries to sell a fancy Winnebago. It's strangely delightful to watch it, and they fit the needs of a very diverse
5: Buyer segment, why can't I remember? I wrote this stuff, why can't I remember it?
0: Why don't I say it fucking right? Before I let Monica get on with her day, I ask her if she's seen Winnebago Man. She hasn't, but she says a lot has changed since the day of the old white American man being the face of RVing.
3: The diversity breakdown is very close to the breakdown of the census. The new buyers that are coming in is reflective of American society as a whole, which is really cool.
0: Stay tuned for more Flightless Bird. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Flightless Bird is brought to you by BetterHelp.
4: You told me something we won't talk about here. You told me like a crazy dream you had.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about that. <laughs>
4: that's a good thing to talk to your therapist about. Oh yeah, that's no, a great idea. And if you didn't have a therapist, I would insist that you get BetterHelp so you can help yourself.
0: We all need therapy and BetterHelp is there for you to get it easily, efficiently, and in a way that is gonna help your life tenfold.
4: We both have therapy once a week. I love it so much. I kind of panicked this week because mm. my therapist's dog has an issue or something. Oh so, no. Yeah, I know, it's just sad. But she was like, oh, I, can we do a different day? And then I couldn't do it. And then I was like, oh my God, what am I gonna do? I need her. Yeah, it's a her. week of nothing. Yeah, yeah, I need it.
0: Yeah, BetterHelp makes it easy to schedule with a therapist. You don't need to leave your home, which is a huge incentive.
4: It's also affordable and therapy can get really costly and it adds up. So this is a great option for someone who doesn't want to break the bank but wants to find help.
0: Yeah, and also finding a therapist can be really hard. But with BetterHelp, you get matched with a therapist after filling in a brief survey and you can switch therapists anytime you like. So if you don't like them, you can get another one really quickly.
4: When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash bird today to get 10% off your first month. That's better h lpcom slash bird.
0: Flightless Bird is brought to you by Framebridge. Framebridge is one of my most exciting discoveries in America because in New Zealand, I used to go to a framer and get things framed. It was Oof. this painful process. I'd drive in, it takes forever. It's really expensive. With Framebridge, you just go to the website with your art, you take a photo of it, you upload it, you see what it's going to look like, mm. you choose the frame. They then send you a tube or some flat cardboard with all the courier things attached. You shove your artwork in there, send it off. It magically comes back framed and done. It's a game changer. It's
4: so nice, it's so easy. Everyone Everyone who I've encountered there is so helpful and amazing. I love FrameBridge.
0: Yeah, and if you don't know what you want to do and what sort of frame you get, then the experts there can also help. And instead of the hundreds you'll pay at a framing store, their prices start at $39. And all their shipping, that's getting the tubes and stuff to you and you shipping it back to them, is free. Plus, listeners to this show will get 15% off their first order at framebridge.com. When they use the code BIRD, B-I-R-D.
4: You just went to a concert and I hope you bought a poster and I hope you use Framebridge too. Oh,
0: I bought a Nine Inch Nails poster and that is going to get framed at Framebridge.
4: Get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code BIRD to save an additional 15% off your first order. Just go to framebridge.com, promo code BIRD. Framebridge.com, promo code BIRD.
0: I thought that was really interesting that it is getting younger and more diverse because I, like you, just thought it was so, so old, but it apparently is changing. The
2: thing I was thinking of, of course, is like probably the most famous RV thing in movies is Christmas Vacation. The fact that Uncle Eddie shows up in an RV. Uncle Eddie is the epitome of the backwards hillbilly. He's Uh been the butt of the jokes for three films. And now he shows up in this RV. He he empties the toilet in the sewer out front, which is illegal. There's an explosion. (laughs) Hilarious. That's what people associated RVs with. Yeah. That's not it now. Hipster's RV. It's definitely had a huge transformation. Yeah. It's like all over Instagram,
5: people
4: it are is. being. Yeah, and there's cool ones.
2: There's apps now. I think one's called Hip Camp. I've done that. You have? It's, it's called, called Hip Camp? Well, it's glamping, is, I oh think. Oh, well, glamping's one. On.
0: Right. Oh, well, she said the app is everything with this stuff because it'll like, show you where you can go, where you can use campgrounds, everything.
2: Yeah. Hip Camp is sites, and then there's outdoorsy where you can actually rent, like, trucks oh. from people like if oh. you wanted to rent it, it's like Airbnb for RVs. Oh, that's cool. I have plans of using Hip Camp on this trip with Aaron. You're yeah, right. Because we don't know where we're staying.
0: Yeah, so like the whole thing's changing. And I also said, who's your new spokesperson? And they're like, we don't use any, we used to use celebs to sell it. We just use now like real people yeah. on the ground. So it's all that kind of marketing now being pushed to people. If you had to ask oh. me my very favorite YouTube clip of all time, it is the Winnebago. Yeah, just search for Winnebago Man if you haven't seen it. Oh,
2: it's still delightful it. And then there's a great documentary that was made about him. They called, find him,
0: right? Yes. Is it called Winnebago Man? It is, it yeah, is. Yeah, it's incredible. At one point, a fly starts landing on him and he just starts uh, screaming <laughs> well, at the fly. He goes, One fly, two flies.
2: <laughs> so get out of here, you jackass.
4: <laughs> yeah,
2: I used to have the entire thing memorized, but he's a beautiful dude. Incredible history, that guy. He was like a news reporter. Then he got into writing these spots. Yeah, there's much more to him than just being an angry yeah. RV salesman. And at the time yeah. they meet up with him, he's largely blind. Mm. He feels made fun of, but then he comes to realize how much joy it gives people. Like he learns to embrace yeah. it at the end. He goes to a screening It's a really Aww. beautiful
0: document It is a really be- If you haven't seen Winnebago Man yeah. Please do and Watch it And tickled And see great things. Yeah, and check (laughs) out chips on Netflix while we're pumping
2: stuff. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh so in the era of Winnebago man, you would run a 110 plug from your house into that thing to run the electronics. Mm -hmm. There were very little electronics. Maybe Mm -hmm. you had a fridge and probably ran on propane. Nowadays, like my bus, I have a 50 amp output for it because I can run four AC units. I have a residential fridge inside. The demands are so much different. Mm. And so in all these older campgrounds, they don't have any of the shit. You need to draw the power of a small city. Pointing out the waste, yes.
0: (laughs) Speaking of that, I wanted to explore the other side of RVing, which is kind of fascinating to me. Monica Gracie had given me a lot of statistics when I spoke to her, like the fact over 600,000 brand new RVs shipped last year, over 200,000 up from 2006, the year Robin Williams made that RV film. But one statistic stuck in my brain, the least impressive one.
3: One and a half percent of all RV owners are full timers.
0: I found that number fascinating. Going on that stat of 11.2 million homes having an RV, that means around 168,000 Americans are living in an RV full-time. That's bigger than the population of the town in New Zealand that I grew up in. I wanted to meet someone who'd made an RV their permanent abode.
5: Well, my name is Anthony Guzman. I'm actually an actor. You can Google me and actually find me
0: if you want. (laughs) For the last month, I'd kept seeing this RV parked up in a park that I go to. It came and went, but it always ended up parked under the same tree, which is near this little trickling stream. One day, I saw a very tanned, quite lithe man emerge from inside. And I said hello. Oh, and I did Google him. He was born in Cuba in 1966. He's been in a whole bunch of stuff since the 90s, including El Cartel, a Colombian TV series where he played agent Peter McAllister, head of the DEA. It was a pretty big show in Latin America. And while his acting career has been up and down over the last 30 years, he says an RV has been the one constant. I've been here
5: since 92. I've been living in in RVs most of the time. If you are a tax-paying citizen, have a clean license, not a felon, you can park anywhere you want. And where we're sitting right now is a park donated by a
0: wealthy family to the city. This place is an RV sanctuary. I mean, I come to this park to go for a walk most days. And yeah, I guess it would make a really nice place to live. The houses here cost a lot. I mean, he doesn't live here exactly. He lives in an RV. But he tries to make sure the RV is here as much as possible. At five in the morning,
5: you're allowed to pull in here. And then at sundown, you can cruise right out. But that's at nine o'clock at night. So you got a free, beautiful... Sanctuarium in the middle of, I mean, Godland right here, for free. This is heaven.
0: Right now we're sat on a nice green hill. His two dogs sit next to us, both half huskies, half terriers.
5: Oh, my dog's name is Obi, after Obi-Wan Kenobi.
0: And then Niña, for girl, in Spanish, Niña. Anthony says this lifestyle is not for everyone. He went through a divorce a while back, and apart from Obi and Nina, he lives alone. So it's not like he has to jam his whole family into his RV. He's fit and in good health. He says that's important. You have to be able to deal with things when they break down, and be savvy to fix things. He doesn't have a toilet in his RV, because he says that creates a smell, and if you're parking in a public place, that starts to bother people. His goal is to be as clean and unobtrusive as possible. You can't really have a kid
5: because if your kid needs to go to the bathroom, you're not gonna tell him, oh, go in a little bag. Hold on, let me get the bag ready. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. You have to be like, I think a single guy, maybe with a a
0: wife that's outdoorsy too. He says not having a toilet nearby and other complications that come from living in a small place are all worth it. If something
5: bothers you, like if you're renting an apartment, you can't just leave your apartment because your neighbor's bothering you, but in an RV, you can do that.
0: You can just take off if anyone's bugging you in any way whatsoever. It's like a different backyard every day.
5: Correct, correct. And it's not as expensive as people think because you can get insurance, like you could tell them the insurance company, you're parking it in a place where there's not much crime or much theft to bring down your insurance
0: costs monthly. He says some people he knows who live in RVs just tell the insurance company it's parked up at their grandma's house, and they end up paying just $150 a year for insurance. Not exactly legal, but one of the tricks that allows some people to live like this.
5: LA's we're in the biggest democratic state. So this is close to communists as you get, meaning trying to help the poor kind of thing where with- yeah, it's a great concept, but you gotta be very smart. You can't park in front of a mansion and just have a barbecue with your family because they're not gonna like it. They don't pay a million dollars for you to park your RV in front of their mansion. So you have to have lights up here or be a homeless guy, not have lights and be you know in the nastiest neighborhood in town. It's up to you how you wanna be responsible
0: with your RV. Because I know a gentleman that has five really ugly RVs. These are the RVs I was talking about earlier. The really run-down ones I've seen scattered around the suburban streets on my morning walks. I've seen these RVs parked One up there.
5: And owns five of them, then he uses them to rent them out to people.
0: An RV landlord, I guess. Slumlord might be more appropriate.
5: He takes advantage. Actually, a uh, European guy, but I feel sorry for him. But anyways, some people are like that. They give the
0: RV people a bad name because they're homeless. Anthony has empathy for those forced to rent RVs to get off the street or store their stuff in, because he was once very close to being in that situation himself. So that's what's happening here in LA. Yeah, it's the rents are
5: blown sky high, in Miami too, by the way, sky high, a uh, hole in the wall is $1,250, we're talking a studio, tiny studio, 1250 if you could find it, and 1500 so as an actor, if you don't book, you're screwed. I literally came here 92 from New York and I had a bunch of money and I didn't book a job for months. I literally drained all my money going into meeting, actually drinking wine to calm down because I was nervous. I was because if I didn't book, I'm homeless. So the RV, finally, I figured it out. A light popped up and said, man, I got the lifestyle for this kind
0: of situation. Anthony says you have to be savvy and careful. An RV is less secure than a house, and you have to be careful where you park and how you act. What's the biggest disaster you've had in an RV? Like, Have you been towed? Has anyone been violent? You're in LA.
5: You got fentanyl, that new drug, that's basically killed most of the homeless. The few homeless that are left are completely dangerous and out of their
0: minds, but they don't come up to this type. You got to know what area to park. There are a bunch of RVs at Skid Row. I didn't go down there for this podcast to talk to anyone, but there are a bunch more out at Santa Monica as well. I've heard from another source that about 40 of them are owned by one guy who rents them out as well. Anthony avoids certain neighborhoods, but even in good neighborhoods, he says you can still be a large target if you live in an RV. They spray painted it not too long ago, three months ago with graffiti.
5: If you park your RV and they see it on a main street, they'll start writing on
0: it. That is not cool. And I had to get it off really quickly. But Anthony says the good outweighs the bad. I've made him give me some lowlights over the last 30 years, but there have been loads of highs. He's seen more of America than most Americans have, certainly more than I have. That's it, man. It is absolutely magnificent
5: to drive through America. Every half hour, the government puts rest stops And every rest stop has its own theme. So if you're going through Arizona, it's an Arizona theme. And if you're going through Miami, it's like a beachy theme.
0: And it's awesome. I think about my rent and wonder if an RV could be the life for me. Ballpark, how much for, you're not going to buy one brand new, like how much for a decent one secondhand that you can live in? 15 grand. not bad. That's
5: not bad. 15 grand and up. Mine was, the one you see there was 10 and I put like three into it. Inside, it's all got wood floor. I mean, it's really
0: nice. I feel like Anthony has quite a charming kind of life. He's been in a Madonna music video, an episode of Nash Bridges, and a few episodes of Lawless. And he says an RV has given him a sense of calm in the chaotic world of acting. As an actor, I don't sweat now. My
5: trailer paid off. I own everything. So now when I get a part, I could really enjoy it instead of being shoveled in stress about how am I going to pay my rent? Honestly, the RV lifestyle, I think it's one of the most amazing privileges you could have as a human being. Like right now, if I felt like it, I can get in my RV
0: and go to Malibu, park right on the ocean, spend the whole day there. I leave Anthony on the hill with his dogs. I keep spotting him over the next week or so. I wave. One time he's getting some water from the stream, which he boils inside. But I keep thinking about what he said about those other RVs scattered around town. Anthony had told me one man, a man with an accent, owned at least five of them. I wanted to meet this guy, this RV landlord. And then a few weeks later, I did. I'd changed my walking routine so I'd walk past as many of those rundown RVs as possible. Then, on a day in July, a little red car pulls up. A man got out, stooped, clutching a portable battery, and started heading towards one of the RVs. I approached cautiously and said hello. He offered a handshake and a toothy grin before apologizing for not having his top dentures in. He has a heavy accent, European, so I ask if he's the guy that owns all these RVs. He says he's not, but he knows the guy that does. As then I see a whole string of keys hung around his neck, and I'm pretty sure he is the guy. I mean he's not good at covering it up. Later in our conversation, which he won't let me record, he points to a very old RV down the road and tells me he got that one for free. I ask him how much he rents it out for. He laughs and changes the subject. He tells me he's a part-time comedian. But for asking what I pay in rent, I tell him. He tells me I'm a sucker. I directly ask how much he rents his RVs out for, but he just laughs his gummy laugh. He tells me he'll think about doing an interview with me but only on the condition I won't say where his RVs are parked or they'll change the rules. He gives me a phone number. I call it each day.
3: Please leave your message for
0: me. I leave a lot of messages. Oh, hey, it's David Farrier. I bumped into you on the street the other day. And then a few days after that, it's disconnected. I started this episode about RVs with images of golf streams and American holidays in my mind. And that's a big part of RV culture in America. But I've discovered, like with most things, there's another side too. For some, RVs are the height of luxury, million-dollar homes on wheels. For others, they represent a lifestyle that simply works, paired back and simple, like the $10,000 RV that helps a struggling TV actor keep their dreams alive. And for others, RVs are born out of desperation, a way of being on the street while still having a roof over their heads. To do this, perhaps you pay a man with no upper teeth who got your home for free before renting it out to you. The man tells you he's a part-time comedian. And maybe that makes you the punchline of a bad joke.
5: Hmm, that I can't was good, David.
2: believe. Well, first of all, wow, that yeah. was great. I can't believe it took the turn into one of my biggest preoccupations is those fucking RVs. He doesn't have to tell you where they're parked. I'll tell you where they're parked. Exactly. It, uh, By about eight of them are in front of my house. Well, first of all, I loved Anthony. He's clearly a yeah, sweet, dude. I, he's a I sweet like, dude. I like Anthony. Unfortunately, most of the urban RVers aren't as conscientious as him. It'd be great if if they all behaved like he did, I don't think there'd be a problem. The fact that I was leaving to bring the girls to school and one was engulfed in flames in front of my house and burnt to the ground is more the norm. Yeah. And when you're walking by on your night walk, quite often the doors open and people are smoking meth inside and that's the reality.
0: And I was fascinated because I walk here to record and I'm always walking past them and I kept seeing them all. And in my mind, I was like, oh, OK, so obviously these are pretty run down. Someone's bought them for cheap and they're living in this area. That's what I cause thought. Because it's a nice area. But no, what I found out is, it is and it happens out by the beach as well. There are these RV landlords. Slum Slumlords. Buy them slumlords. Yeah. They buy them or get given them for free and then they rent them back to people. I guess there's two takes on that, right? They're providing a service to people that would be on the road otherwise. Also, though, it seems pretty... Yeah.
2: Here's where I think our compassion for anyone that would find themselves homeless clouds our evaluation of the situation, which is I can't go park my bus at the public park. Yeah. That We agree that that's a space that is not for... Camping, it's a public park mm. for playing with kids and having your dogs run around. I have to have a reservation. I have to make an appointment. I can't just park
0: willy-nilly wherever I want. How does it work? There are like these, I mean, this guy I met who apparently owns five of them got one for free yeah and is now renting it out to so someone. So they're junkers. Like, like
2: they wouldn't be roadworthy. No. We
0: wouldn't allow someone to drive them down the
2: street. And then the other thing that I think our compassion clouds a little bit our assessment is no one would suggest that everyone has a right to live in Beverly Hills. Like when you pose it that way, it sounds kind of preposterous. Or I have a right to live on Martha's Vineyard. You could make up enough money to go live there. Yeah, the rents are terrible here. And that means not everyone can afford to live here. It doesn't mean that everyone
0: can live here out on the middle of a sidewalk and you can't walk down it's it the anymore. It's the weirdest loophole around here it's legally it's allowed and the reason he wouldn't tell me his name or desperately didn't want me to say where he was is that he didn't want the rules to change And in the back of my mind i was like what if it is a family that's in there that's suddenly going to get evicted i don't want to be the one that's responsible for that do you know what i mean i've never walked by one of these motorhomes
2: that a family was in in the evening they're often open and i see what's happening there and it's generally three or four dudes gathered And they're doing drugs or they're getting drunk. It'd be one thing if there were a bunch of displaced families with children. That's just not the reality of the situation. Did you know that they were all owned by one person? I'm going to eat crow right now because my friend Leslie was like, you know, those are all owned by a guy and he's renting them out. And I'm like, there's no conspiracy. That's bullshit. These are just people who are living in them and they own them. And I've increasingly been getting more info that suggests she's right. And now, when you did this, I'm like, "Oh my god, it's actually!" And you talked to the guy.
0: Yeah, no, I met him, and very clearly in the middle of the conversation, he what he just pointed it to and He said, "I got that one for free," and mm-hmm. he did literally have a chain of keys around his neck.
4: But it's weird that I you mean, know? it is illegal to park on the street. They're covered in tickets.
0: Yeah, so the key is, is of
2: course it shouldn't be illegal. If I'm a homeowner that's going on a trip in two days and I wanna bring my RV to my house and load it, I should be able to park in front of my house on the street. Totally realistic, manageable, not a problem. So how do they delineate between that and a permanent resident that that thing's never going on any trip? Yeah. Anthony's not driving that thing to Miami.
0: I just, it's not happening as much as I love him. Anthony Guzman, His RV is drivable. He's driving it. The other ones we see that could barely go down the block. Anthony's looks kind of fancy. Not Mm -hmm. fancy, but it's like it's definitely he could drive it anywhere. That's when I became curious what separated out someone like him and what he's living in to the ones that I walk past every day that are covered in tarp and have fake security yes. cameras on the outside yeah. that kind of like look like they're surveilling you it's a really yeah. interesting thing in america and we wouldn't get that in new zealand and it's very la i suppose yeah. But. yeah i have not seen a study on this but anecdotally i don't see
2: any anthony's i see only the permanent parked yeah, piles right. of shit that no one should be living in and are dangerous and at risk of exploding all the time I don't see any nice motor, you know. Yeah, that's not something you see a lot of. That's not the issue in LA is well-maintained motorhomes moving around and going to the beach. That's just not the issue.
0: No, and down on Skid Row, I was talking to someone and there are a bunch of RVs down there. And I mean, they've got the top shaved off. So it's just, they're basically just walls. I just think it's so fascinating that RVs, which in my mind, we're talking about the family holiday and that kind of thing. This this idealistic version of what America is. But there's this other side here now, increasingly, where they are just used for the sort of the lower kind of echelons of society trying to stay afloat or not. It's yeah. just such an interesting spectrum. So that's post-pandemic probably obviously more. And like it's increasing. We weren't seeing this 10 years ago as much.
2: Right. Well, and then it's just a bigger debate of whether or not you think everyone has a right to be living everywhere they'd like to be. Yes. Yeah.
4: But I mean, our cars have been towed for parking oh, past you? three o'clock on my street.
0: You've driven me a couple times. To t- yeah, Yards. my car has been towed. It's probably so hard to tow them as well, right? Because they're so big. Like it's easy to tow
2: you a car. You need a wrecker and then the thing's disintegrating yeah. as you tow it. So you need a cleanup crew behind the thing. And so they yeah,
4: just don't think it's worth it.
2: I just think we're in a city of nine million or whatever it is. And there's murderers and there's rapists and there's thieves. And they're, you know, how far down the list mm. of priority and importance is the motorhomes in front of my house? And by the way, I got to be clear his notion that you're not going to, no millionaire wants to see someone barbecuing. That's actually for me not it. It's okay. there's, Three super high dudes in each one, and I would like it for my kids to be able to walk outside of the house at 10 years old. So, you know, totally, we're That's bumping into the like issue. their rights versus my kids' rights versus
0: my rights. 100%. Yeah, I feel sometimes walking past some of those at night a little bit like I'm gonna take my ear pods out and just be like aware of what's going on.
2: I think it's okay for us to, as a civilization and a society have cities we're proud of and we maintain and we keep beautiful and we attract new people to and we can't just turn every space over to each person who has zero regard for the space and say completely that's what we got to do yeah the
0: big fix is figuring out exactly what to do with those people and like how to look after them.
2: The only side of the equation being approached is the end of the lava line. There's yeah. nothing. It's
4: nothing. It's too late. Oh. It's way too late at that. Yeah,
0: point. and I don't know how. I mean, yeah, I look around the states and it's like everyone's looking around and no one can solve it yet. Right? It's yeah. just too big of a problem. If I bump into this guy again, I'll try and I really God. wanted to get him. He had a certain speaking style that I really <laughs> wanted to capture, Yeah. but he just really wouldn't let me even begin to record. But did that really interesting thing that some people do when they say I don't want to be interviewed? Because I, I said I'm working on a podcast. I'm making a show about RVs when they say they don't want to be interviewed, but they still really want to talk to you. So you talked to me for so long. Oh, wow. This, is, just, this what, was
2: in your recent Webworm. Get newsletter, there. which is a tip in descending order. Emails the worst, voicemails good, but talk to people. Get yeah. in front of people. Yeah, if yeah. you want
0: someone to talk, they yeah. can't resist. Yeah, totally. People want to talk, and yeah. even this, this guy the whole time was being like, "I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about this." I but this see one. that I've to, yeah, I got it for free. <laughs> yeah, people are so funny.
4: Part of this show is learning about David. And we learned something. We went to get wings, David's favorite Mm, food. uh He's non-confrontational. He doesn't want to disturb anything Mm -mm, or ask for anything, really. But when it's under the guise of work, when it's like for a doc Uh and for the podcast, he'll do anything. He'll talk to anyone. And I just found that very interesting. He can get into a character where he can poke and be a rascal.
0: Yeah, as a little persona. Yeah, I don't want to, if the food's not good or... I would never say something confrontational to anyone. Be it in a work sense. If I want to be a bit bratty for a documentary or my little web or newsletter or the show, I love poking people because it's kind of fun. No. Yeah, you're a provocateur in a way. Yeah. You know, you're, you're poke, poke, poke. Uh, it's a compliment, different
2: thing. Compliment. Yeah, it's yeah. kind
0: of fun when it's for something. When it's just your life, it's not for something, then I don't want to antagonize anyone. I, I just want to go through peacefully. You
2: Don't value your own comfort or pleasure or whatever it may be. You spent $18 on wings and they're undercooked. You (laughs) as the individual don't deserve to make waves. But if it's in the name of the masses, you find a
0: courage. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. if it's just for me, there's not enough in it to create any kind of drama. But if I feel like I'm talking on behalf of someone who's worse off or something, that gives me the goal to do it or something. I don't know if it's because I'm a not, nice person. It's just like an excuse. But I somebody. would argue I don't know. It shouldn't be either or. <laughs> so you should get what you pay
2: for. They made a mm. promise that they're gonna serve food that's prepared for this price. You deserve
0: oh, so best old.
4: wings in America, it says it yeah. on the side. I was for
0: the record, Those wings were they good. They are really good. They are <laughs> they good really good. I took yes. us for good wings, you right? Did. You did. They were really yeah, good. They were good. And good
4: good mozzarella sticks.
0: Oh, oh really wow. good sticks.
4: We find outlets to explore different pieces of our personality. You've probably been nurtured to not have conflict. I mean, New Zealand. Absolutely. Like, yeah. So oh, that's 100%. all ingrained. But there's a major part of you that is a rascal, like Rob.
0: Oh yeah. Part of the reason <laughs> I wanted to get more into documentary was it was an excuse. You can roam around in people's houses, which is great. You can just like arrive with your camera and set up, and it's just given free <laughs> reign, which yeah. is very funny to me. Yeah. And you can antagonize people, and it's sort of part of it all, and that's kind of fun. It's fun seeing what people do. It feels and how they react
4: like a safe, even though it's not. A it feels like a justified yeah, safe exactly. way. Just My massages. Yeah. Safe way to get touched. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: I love that. That's yet another appeal of Arvine is you're a new person in a new place every time you arrive, so you can really be anyone. It's a fresh start every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah. I really love that. Maybe you and your wife are swingers when you go to Nebraska in a motorhome. Who knows what you are? Where you yeah. and uh, try it all on. Oh, Fun. this was fascinating and took turns,
0: twisty turns mm, that I enjoyed. Could be yeah. could be more American, less American.
4: More Buck, I don't RVs even... are very American. Oh, they
0: are, they are. I also don't support people doing drugs in front of your kids outside the front of the house. Yeah, unless it's weed or
2: shrooms. Yeah, I can live with that. Then it's cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Love you, David. Thanks, guys.